let's get past them today. I think we're gonna do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Modern Man Podcast. This is a podcast where we work on connecting men in pursuit of their potential by putting wind in each other's sails. And we do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and unlocking potential by helping each other out, share tactics and strategies on how we can elevate ourselves and our capacity to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm excited to receive some wind in our sails today from Greg Whiting, who's joining us out of San Francisco, talking all things leadership, healing, purpose, performance. Greg, thank you for joining us from the West Coast, the coast we love the most on this podcast today. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Ted. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always love making sure that the audience and my guests have an opportunity to get acquainted before we kind of jump into some of the subject matter of our episodes. So please, for the next couple of minutes, take the floor and uh, let the audience know who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah, I help people address the underlying trauma beneath their anxiety, their depression, and their chronic pain. I've developed a healing system over the last 20 years that's drawing upon trauma and neuroscience, somatics, and mindfulness and energy medicine, really piecing together the practices that I've used in my own healing journey and, you know, paying it forward, you know, over the years, really kind of reverse engineering how I healed myself and kind of developed a a really structured system that helps people do the same for themselves. Yeah, I was going to ask how this all came about because I, I realized in entrepreneurship and for people who usually have a specific niche in which they focus on, there's usually a lot of a a personal connection with it, where it's something created out of a necessity that has become needed amongst other people. So I'm interested to know how this whole journey started of you getting into healing and, and starting to unravel that process into what you do now. Yeah. So yeah, I was working in the nonprofit world. I was running a team of 25, 30 people. And I you know, I was really facing the limitations of my capacity because my own unresolved trauma was catching up with me. You know, I was already struggling with chronic pain and anxiety and depression, but that rapidly turned into a lot of burnout and a lot of emptiness. And, you know, I think when we lose ourselves, there are no wins. So even though I was doing really good work and I was really driven by purpose, I was just lacking the fulfillment inside of that purpose. Mm -hmm. That's kind of informed over the years. I've just naturally kind of attracted other leaders and founders and folks who are, yeah, very mission driven, but they're leading from a trauma response. And so that, you know, that that has built them some level of success, but it's also starting to catch up with them. So there's now more of a cost than a payoff. So how do we reverse engineer that? And how do we address the underlying imprints of trauma, the residue of trauma So we're not being driven and motivated by pain and by fear, right? And how can Mm -hmm. we meet with more presence, with more power, more focus, more clarity, more heart? Yeah. What exactly is trauma? Because we hear this word all the time, right? Work on my trauma or heal my trauma. But let's identify it for a second for some of the listeners, the watchers who have seen this, have we've spoken about it, address your trauma. What exactly is that though? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people think that they don't have trauma. They don't identify with trauma because they, you know, aren't a veteran of war. They haven't mm-hmm. been, you know, a victim of a violent crime. You know, they haven't been on the receiving end of abuse. But trauma is really any lived experience where we don't feel supported, where we feel isolated and alone. 
mm-hmm. lacking that support. You know, in early development, the lack of just consistent, reliable care where we're not having our needs met is going to start to imprint that the world is unsafe and that we need to start to kind of modify who we are, hide parts of ourselves, perform parts of ourselves to get our needs met. So that sets up a whole lot of many dynamics that start to kind of become these larger maladaptations to stress that really get in the way of us just being ourselves, right? Yeah. And so healing that is a big process of unburdening ourselves to just show up with more freedom, more ease. So it sounds like trauma almost in its definition, when you talk about lack of support in a certain area of life, it doesn't necessarily in our traditional definition equal something that we automatically would think of as traumatic. You might have maybe somebody who says, oh, you know, I'm an old soul. For example, I using myself now, I grew up fast in my family just because of my family dynamic. I had older parents. I was more of an uncle at age 17 than an actual teenager, which has led to some independent properties and some independent habits and personality traits. But that could end up being a negative trauma in the future if I'm too independent to the point where my partner doesn't feel an intimate connection. Is that kind of some of the assessment of how some folks might have trauma but not really know it? Yeah, a lot of a lot of the folks I work with in my school and one-on-one are they had to grow up early. They were not able to rely on consistent, reliable support and care in early development. So they had to be the adults in the room at a very early age. So that sets up a whole set of dynamics around being hypervigilant, being on guard, having to take care of everyone else's needs at the expense of your own, having to be perfect, having to get it right. So that's going to be the breeding ground for, yeah, not being able to lean on and trust support, feeling that you've got to take care of everything or else, you know, there could be pretty dire consequence. So that sets up a large dynamic of urgency and stress around having to perform at a certain level. Yeah. Just, we can't sustain that. Yeah, unsustainable. And for a lot of us, we talk a lot about here on the podcast leadership and a lot of us wanting to take ownership and leadership of our own lives. Some of those traits you mentioned, kind of you know, having to be the adult in the room, having to take control, having to not to rely on anybody. Those are some of the things that could end up trickling into a leadership role in the professional world, or maybe even in your family life, or maybe in the immediate circle of you and your friends, whether it be an objective. We can find ourselves in leadership roles, but this trauma being kind of the underlying factor, how does trauma manifest itself in leadership and how can that end up being a detriment? Yeah. That sense of hypervigilance. It's, you know, with trauma leading the show, we're going to lack psychological safety. We're going to lack trust. Right. And I think to be a leader is to be able to regulate the collective nervous system. And we can't do Mm -hmm. that if we're not regulated within ourselves. Right. Another imprint of trauma is we often are living outside of our bodies. Right. Because there is a sense that it's not safe to inhabit our own lived experience. So when we lose our sense of self inside our own bodies, we lose presence and agency, right? So without presence and agency, we're not able to really connect with others, right? Mm -hmm. And the power of connection, how can we lead without the power of connection, right? And so how do we navigate conflict? How do we, you know, use conflict as a bridge to connection as opposed to a battleground, 
right? Yeah. And so, you know, these imprints of trauma lend themselves to more of a sense of alienation and isolation, right? And so, how many of us are leading from that lone wolf place, right? And that's a that's a hard a hard place to lead from, and there's going to be a lot of limitations, right? Mm. That's not that's not a place where we can really take our leadership to the next level. Yeah, we've heard the term: if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go with a team. And unfortunately, through certain leadership styles, we end up isolating ourselves more than we actually cultivate a team, which does limit our ability to reach that end goal or really kind of scale up to that next level in our lives. I kind of want to make this real for people because I know you have real world experience in some of this. You mentioned before feeling burnt out and just kind of having to come to a point of limitations of your capacity. And one of the things we talk about here for Modern Man is increasing our capacity to better serve in the world. So what was that limitation that you met in your capacity? And what was some of the healing that you've done that ended up you being able to unravel three inches of curve in your spine? Because myself included dealing with scoliosis, I I could use those three inches, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, for me, the wake up call was, you know, working in a nonprofit world and ushering in historic legislation and not being able to celebrate that win. Right. Mm. And just having nothing left to give. So even outside of work, there just wasn't I didn't have any more of me to kind of enjoy my life. So that's when I kind of realized it's not so much what we do. It's more how we do it and who we are along the way. So that's what led me yeah, on my healing journey, right? And so trauma and neuroscience is a big component of my work. And that's having kind of a, a map and an understanding of how to heal. Because I felt like I was kind of groping in the dark for years. And so mm-hmm. I feel like it's really valuable to provide folks with a map so they get their bearings straight and kind of have an understanding of where they're at and where they're going. But the mindfulness is a big piece. That's kind of the mind training that's necessary to kind of reorient from pain to possibility, to kind of dissolve identification with wounding to kind of understanding who we are beyond our wounding, right? Mm -hmm. And so much of that wounding is kind of carried in our body, right? Our body has kind of become the the posture of our emotion, right? And so if I'm no longer identified with pain, then the pain is no longer being held in my body the way it once was. So then my body has an opportunity to kind of restructure itself. And the energy medicine is a big component of that. Energy medicine helps to calm the cardiovascular system. It helps to regulate the nervous system. It helps to boost the immune system. And in doing so, that those are like three really critical pieces to support kind of our body's innate ability to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the term innate wisdom that was developed in chiropractic, which if we have a paper cut, there's some healing intelligence that sends platelets and proteins and orchestrates all these biochemical transmissions. So I look at energy medicine as the vehicle that just helps us get in touch with and align to our innate wisdom. Mm -hmm. So as I help people heal trauma, I don't really spend too much time focusing on trauma. You know, I look at trauma as kind of the distortion that short circuits our connection to our innate wisdom. So my job is just to help us get plugged back into our innate wisdom. And then our body's natural ability to heal comes back online. So it's almost like a neurological connection is what leads to the physical transformation. And I guess 
help bridge that gap. We can go in the nitty gritty of the science a little bit because I am a little bit of a science nerd and I, I get fascinated by this because, you know, I, I've heard it said so many times where like us as humans, we try and think our way out of our mental fog. Or if we are physically not feeling something, we try and use physical remedies to solve that where it's really kind of the opposite. Whereas if you want to heal something in the body, go to the mind. If you want to heal something in the mind, go to the body. How does that connection work in terms for somebody who might be listening and maybe might not be sold on energy medicine or might not be sold on how a mental block could actually be physically harming them? Yeah. So everyone, everyone processes differently. Some of us are going to process top down. That means we need to kind of figure something out intellectually before it makes sense physically in our body. Others process bottom up. So they kind of feel their way through something in their body, and then the light bulb goes off intellectually. Energy medicine is actually working in kind of a multi-directional manner. So we may shift kind of a belief that's stored in the body, and then all of a sudden we start to think differently. Or we start to have kind of a new way of thinking our way through life, and then actually our body starts to move differently. Mm. So they're they're all related, right? So the body, the body is what stores the subconscious and unconscious mind, right? The conscious mind is like the tip of the iceberg. It's what we think we believe, but actually what we really believe is what's you know beneath the surface, and that's what's stored in our body. You know, I, lo- I look at the body as like a symphony orchestra. So if every cell and tissue and memory and belief are all instruments in that symphony, when we're experiencing health, all those different parts are playing together. They're in harmony, they're in balance, they're in tune, they're playing in relationship to one another. But then stress, trauma starts to kind of short circuit the nervous system. And so all the different parts that we're playing as a team start to kind of turn their backs on each other. They're still playing music, but they're no longer playing music in harmony. So that's when illness and or symptoms and then eventually disease and illness start to creep in. And so, yeah, healing is just helping to break up the noise. So the symphony orchestra that we are can come back online and can start to play music again. Mm. And you know, the symptoms themselves, back to that same tip of the iceberg. Symptoms are just the tip of the iceberg, right? And when it comes to mental illness, a lot of people, and again, pain and symptom management is sometimes necessary, right? And it sometimes saves lives. So I'm not knocking it, but pain and symptom management, we can also get kind of stuck in a pattern of pain and symptom management without actually addressing kind of what rests beneath the the surface of the iceberg, Mm -hmm. which is where the real healing happens, right? So a lot of people are medicating and treating a chemical imbalance without actually addressing the underlying imprints of trauma stored in the body, which kind of keep people walking on eggshells, right? And they're kind of mitigating and maybe managing and maybe getting by, but they're not actually addressing kind of the deeper imprints of pain that are stored in the body. Yeah, I was going to use that question that I had there for our current healthcare system and our mental healthcare system and in terms of how it almost seems to, whether it be chiropractic work or some of your work, it seems as though the preventative medicine and the preventative measures aren't necessarily covered as much as some of the treatments that we have, which will address more of the systems or symptoms, but not so much the reasoning behind the symptoms themselves. So how is our current healthcare system or our mental healthcare system maybe doing us a disservice in its inability to kind of 
attack the root problems that some of us might be experiencing. Yeah. I mean, again, there's a time and a place for pain and symptom management. But right now, our current healthcare system is a sick care system, right? It's not actually putting the inputs in to create and generate health and longevity. It's just helping to manage and chase and treat and suppress symptoms, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And again, sometimes we're so far gone that we need that just to get through our day, but that's not actually helping to kind of create the climate for that musicality of being, that symphony orchestra to come back online. So what does the switch look like, right? How do we turn that pain into purpose? How do we get that symphony fired up and and making the beautiful music we know that our bodies can? Yeah. I mean, so much of healing is just listening, right? Slowing down. You know, trauma is often too much too soon. So healing is actually slowing down so we can be present to the parts of our lived experience that have historically been overwhelming, right? Just like the image of a bird flying into a window and it falls to the ground. The bird drops to the ground because it's in shock, right? The impact of flying into the window was too great for it to absorb. So it actually leaves its bodily experience because that would just be too painful for it to process. So it was unconscious, right? But eventually it starts to come back to consciousness and it starts to twitch and then it gets the wind beneath its wings again and it flies off, right? So we don't shake off that impact and that pain of trauma so well. We continue to carry it, right? But then we're still walking around our lives with parts of us kind of frozen, right? So healing is thawing out the parts of us that have locked up, that have seized up, right? That have shut down. And that takes time, right? And that takes right relationship to create safety and connection, you know, which, because those parts of us that are frozen are the parts that feel pretty afraid, pretty isolated, pretty alone, pretty alienated, pretty vulnerable. And so it's how do we create the container and the climate to support these parts of ourselves to come back online, to thaw out. Mm. what does that process look like in getting some of that? Because I know so many people, maybe they've tried meditation. Maybe they've tried kind of reaching out to a friend and they just haven't had it kind of go well quite yet. So what tools, what resources do we first go to so we could slow down, so we could start that process and experience that healing that we long for? You know, not, not all meditation is equal. And there's a time and a place for every practice. So not everything is going to meet us where we're at, at the right time. So there's something to be said for a trauma-informed approach to healing and finding the right practices at the right time that meet us where we're at. And that's a path of discovery, right? We need to become our own best advocates for our health. So we may try a particular meditation practice or a particular therapist or a particular healer, and it may not fit. It may not be the right time for that treatment, or it might not be the right you know, healthcare professional to actually support us where we're at. But that'll often signal to the brain that, well, nothing's going to help or, well, that didn't work. So nothing's going to work. And again, the trauma brain is one that's often going to catastrophize negativity bias, scan for imbalance mm-hmm. or scan for danger, and then make the worst case scenario story out of what, you know, information we're gathering. We need to pattern interrupt that, right? All right. That, that meditation didn't work for me that tool didn't work for me, that modality didn't work for me, but something will, 
Um, healing is about following the breadcrumbs and until you find the resonance and the support and the tools and the community that that meet you where you're at. But I think also understanding that, you know, what if our anxiety and our depression, you know, is actually a healthy response to an unhealthy world? So what if we can remove some of the stigma around mental health and realize that perhaps it's, you know, part of our own body's wisdom responding to something that's that's not right, you know, in our environment. Yeah. I was going to talk about that because there is a stigma around mental health. And some of the notes you mentioned was finding a community, finding some help, right? How do we break that gap when we have this stigma? You know, how do we deconstruct the stigma around mental health where even reaching out to a friend and asking for help might seem like a gargantuan task for somebody to take that first step? So that stigma being something that could be a, a barrier of entry for so many people, what are some ways we can kind of tear that wall down a little bit and walk through that doorway? Yeah. Well, normalizing it, right? What if, what if? struggling in this world is part of life, right? And also having some discernment around, you know, you, you, we can't buy bread from a hardware store. And so <laughs> not everyone we pick up the phone to reach out to is going to have the capacity to, you know, have our back, right? So, you know, people can only help us as as much as they've helped themselves, right? So if other folks are carrying a lot of stigma around their own mental health, they might not be the the ones to keep on speed dial, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, finding the right support. You know, there's a lot of tremendous, you know, community support out there. There's a lot of hotlines out there. You know, so you know, a lot of folks come to me because they have found the limitation of some traditional, more sterile institutional approaches to therapy that are, you know, not as somatic based. That are kind of more top down, and so. Yeah, a lot of folks come to energy medicine and mindfulness because they aren't resolving their pain by talking their way through it, right? There's some pain that we can't think our way through. And so that's when people are looking for other alternatives like energy medicine and healing and mindfulness. But there's a lot of great therapy out there and there's a lot of great trauma-informed therapy and there's a lot of somatic-based therapy that can bridge both worlds. So it's becoming your own best advocate and finding support. Yeah. You know, as, as humans, we are, we're social creatures as mammals. We're not meant to live in isolation and we certainly can't heal in isolation. Mm-hmm. That hyper-independence, because, you know, trauma has often imprinted upon us because there's either been a break of trust and harm in a relationship or just the lack of support in relationship. So it signals to the brain that, uh, their relationship is dangerous, potentially harmful, stay away. So I have to figure this all out on my own. And the healing repair happens when we start to build relationships where we find that something else is possible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many times if we get burned by putting our hand on the stove, we don't trust any of our stoves. We just choose not to cook altogether, but then we'll starve. But understanding that, hey, 
maybe the way you were burned is the issue, not necessarily the object that burned you and having that full growth in terms of no longer letting the trauma dictate how you live your life and change the way that you do things, still being comfortable with who you are while also addressing what has happened to you in the past. And you mentioned the resources. I know you have in your own framework. I definitely want to make sure that our listeners and our watchers have the ability to use some of your work. Is it, is it the Prisma program that you've designed? Yeah. So Prisma Method is the healing system I have developed that basically in my online course and community, there is the course, which is eight modules, which is the trauma and neuroscience roadmap. So that gives people kind of just the intellectual understanding and framework of how to heal through lots of workbooks and prompts and journaling. With that is the seven Prisma pillars, which are kind of the drop pins on the map that help you kind of orient to where you are and where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And that is the somatic and mindfulness-based practices that I also offer through kind of guided support over nine months. And that's really the mind training of shifting from pain to possibility, from pain to purpose, right? To kind of step out of this pain body that we've organized our whole identity around to realize that who we are is not our pain, right? And Mm -hmm. that's when we can start to live outside of these imprints that have kind of calcified and, you know, this residue of pain on our bodies. And then the energy medicine piece is the vehicle that is really giving people a healing practice for life that helps them kind of start to regulate their nervous system and calm the cardiovascular system boost their immune system and really develop a a deeper capacity for connection to broaden their window of tolerance so they can, yeah, to grow and heal. So that's the Prisma course. Yeah. Prevent burnout too. And also come with a higher capacity for those around you in the world. Greg, I'd love for our listeners and our and our watchers to have an ability to reach out to you, follow up, uh, get into the Prism method if it's something that they've needed. Because as you mentioned, all the resources out there, a lot of us try and look for mental hacks and mental solutions when we have this mental block. Or maybe we feel drained and we feel tired and we think, oh, why can't I sleep this tired off? Why can't I just go to the gym and work out and feel better? And sometimes the thing that's holding our body back is is a mental block. And sometimes what's holding our mental back is is a physical block. So I would love for anyone who's tried this, who's tried that, who who's tried journaling and, and just haven't had that framework that worked for them, whether it be anxiety, whether it be stress, depression, whatever you're going through right now, Greg, I'd love for you to offer those resources in which folks can reach out and connect with you. Yeah, sure. Prismamethod.com is where people can learn about the course. Gregwhiting.com if you want to get more support one-on-one, learn more about my work. But yeah, I historically, folks find me when they've tried everything under the sun and nothing's moved the needle on their pain, on their anxiety or their depression. You know, I'm working with many different pieces that are paired together to offer a really comprehensive, robust support for healing. And so, yeah, I tend to I tend to work with folks who've had a hard time getting the right support that they need. And so that's, and that was my journey as well. So that's why I kind of had to piece together a lot of different orientations to healing to kind of find, you know, Mm -hmm. spot of what would really work and create, you know, sustainable, safe shifts in healing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have those links in the show notes for folks to click that, get in contact, 
Last question that I always ask here on The Modern Man is what is an event or something that's happened to you in your life that's kind of shifted the way you see the world as a man? Gosh, so many. I mean, I spent eight months in India and that was pretty transformative. Yeah, I've taken lots of sabbaticals. I spent time in South America. So travel is a big piece, you know, immersing Mm -hmm. myself in other cultures and community. Burning Man has been pretty impactful in my life. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of swim in this world of healing and transformational space. And then the world of entrepreneurship. A lot of my closest, you know, friends are entrepreneurs and really seeing entrepreneurship as a spieling, uh, excuse me, a spiritual practice and mm. as a healing practice because it kind of demands that we break through upper limits and get to know ourselves more deeply as we're putting ourselves, you know, more and more out in the world. So say all those pieces have been pretty informative and transformative. Nice. And I recommend myself doing more travel and uh, checking out Burning Man at one point in time sometime soon. Greg Whiting, thank you so much for, for the expertise, the knowledge, and the time today. In terms of helping us kind of navigate through what exactly trauma is and what the healing process really looks like for that, I know this was valuable for so many people. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ted. It's been yeah. great. No, absolutely. And I'm going to recap a couple of the gems really quick along the way, because I know as folks listen, they might be driving in the car, cleaning or things like that. One thing we first touched on was limitations of capacity. Maybe you're feeling burnt out. Maybe you're feeling that your tank is empty or you've just hit a big milestone and the outcome following that milestone just doesn't give you that fulfillment you once thought it would. It could be a fact that you're living with a little bit of trauma that you're holding on to. And, and it doesn't have to be the traumatic experience that you traditionally think of. It could be something that was just simply left unresolved in your life that has forced you to live a bit in a different way, which is still something that you're holding on to today. It limits your ability of presence and agency, which also limits your ability to be a leader in your life and a leader on your team, in your business or whatever you might have going on. And then you feel as though you have nothing left to give. Well, going through that healing, giving yourself time, silence, listening, and also building that community and having some other people that can help you along the way are ways that you can overcome that trauma, show up better in your everyday lives. And of course, of course, follow those breadcrumbs that you hear when you take that time to do the work. And it does take work. So make sure you put yourself into that yet again. And not everyone can have your back. Like Greg said, you can't buy bread at a hardware store. You can't just pick up any phone number, calling it and asking for help. Make sure you vet and you audit the people who you have in your circle to really help you out in times of need. I hope you guys appreciated this episode. I got a lot of value from it from Greg as we continue to elevate ourselves and show up better in our everyday lives. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe button so you can get a new episode each and every single week. And of course, hit those links in the show notes if you want to follow up and link up with Greg. Leave a rating, let us know how we're doing. And of course, share this with a friend because it's the best compliment that you can give us. And as we say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.